This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Uh, I'm going to continue this morning with our whole spirit war theme. And I want to I wanna talk about the battle against mammon. It's something I think we all experience, but we don't always recognize it as a battle. We just sometimes recognize it as natural things or normal, normal way of life, but we don't always see it as a battle. And I remember as a little girl, I was, I was extremely burdened by uh, a concern for my, my parents' finances. I remember going on holiday and then we packed the trolley at Pick and Pay and we packed it full because I had four, um, have four siblings, so we were seven in total. And, and then I watched the toll adding up. And even as, a, even in primary school, so then it add up to 300 rands in those days. And then I, I stress on, on behalf of my dad, how are we going to pay this 300 rand? I remember buying tackies, my dad buying me tackies for netball, and then we buy the wrong tackies, and I played with blisters on my feet for weeks because I was too scared to tell him that I need other tackies because somehow we made a mistake. How many of you have ever bought the wrong pair of tackies? Okay, <laughs> it makes me feel better. <laughs> somehow I have got it wrong often. And I have one pair for the last, I think, seven years, and I stick to them. <laughs> but in any case, I, I just remember so many battles in my heart, even when I started working. I remember my first salary, I had to buy something for me that I really needed. But it wasn't something expensive. And I, I remember the guilt, the fear, the anxiety. I just, I just had so many battles inside of me around finances. And I came to a point where I said, I can't live like this. I can't live like this for, for the rest of my life. And I can't imagine that God wants me to live like this with all of these things inside of me. And I want to give you a few uh, a few pointers just to evaluate your own heart, just to think, you know, is there maybe a battle in, in your heart? And I just want to give you a few ideas. If, if you experience worry or anxiety or stress around finances all the time, there's a spirit war inside of you. If there's guilt and condemnation, especially, you know, sometimes there's guilt and condemnation when we spend on ourselves, Oh, there's guilt and con- condemnation around giving because we, we always feel we need to give. We always feel condemned if we don't give. That also means this is spirit war because it, this is not God's plan for us. Impulsive buying. I'm not talking about the Kit Kat you put in your basket, you know, when you stand in the queue. So it's all right. <laughs> Unless you put five Kit Kats in every time, okay? Then we might <laughs> call it impulsive buying. But a lack of self-control. You, you just kind of buy something without thinking. Discontentment is a sign. I remember when, when I worked as, um, as an audit manager, people were always complaining about their salary, you know, and, and based on my background, I just thought I earned a fortune. <laughs> I really thought I earned a fortune, but people were never happy. They were always complaining, always overworked and underpaid. You know, even in, in, in that environment where there's big salaries compared to maybe other salaries around. And there was a discontentment, you know, that I just saw everywhere. 
stinginess, just a struggle to give, a struggle to, to let go. If you experience that, there's a spirit war. Greed, greed is an interesting one. If we're greedy, it means we actually want more of what we already have. So you already have something, but you want more, or you want bigger, or smarter. You know, this greed, it must always be better, smarter, faster, more. Mishandling of debt, lack of self-control, mishandling of credit cards, and making more and more debt. Okay, so if you experience any of those things, there's a really good chance that there's a spirit war in your heart. I've experienced many of these things throughout my, my life. And often we think that the solution for this war is more money. Okay, if I can just earn more money, surely I'll be content. Surely I, I will be able to give. Surely I'll not be stingy if I just earn more money. Surely that must be the solution. But if you look at statistics, it often shows that the more money we have, the more we stress. Okay, what about my big investment? What's going to happen? What about, what about the property market? What about this and this and this? So it's almost as if the more material things we accumulate, the, the, the more we stress. Okay, not always, but often. It, it shows these the stats that says that the more we earn, the less we give percentage-wise. Okay, we, we might give a lot, but percentage-wise, we actually give less the more we earn. So I want to propose this morning to actually solve this war, the spirit war in the area of finances. The solution is not more money. It's not the promotion or the, the new job or the, the biggest salary. I want to propose that it's actually living loosely, detaching our heart from the things of this world. It's the only way that we can silence this war inside of us. So I want to show you an interesting scripture in Psalm 62. I don't know how many of you have ever read this. 62 verse 10, it says, if riches increase, do not set your heart on them. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. And I believe this is the key. Well, let's call, call it one of the keys. Okay, there's always many ways, many tools that God gives us to, to win a war, to win a battle. But I believe this is one very important key to win this war in our hearts when it comes to mammon, to live loosely, not to set our hearts on something that, that we can't take with us. I'll get to that now. So there's two very important biblical foundations I just want to share with you before I'm going to get very practical this morning. If we want to live loosely, let's believe for one moment I'm right, okay, to say that living loosely is a key to win this war inside of us. How do we do that? And what is, what is the foundation? What is the biblical foundation? I want to give you two biblical foundations, and then we're going to get practical. The first one, God gives us the power to be successful. I want to say it again. God gives us the power to be successful. Not our intellect, not how smart we are, it is God himself who gives us the power to be successful. Let me take you to a scripture in De Deuteronomy 8. It's quite a few scriptures. I'm just going to summarize it shortly. It's just after the Israelites now moved from Egypt through the Red Sea, after the 40 years in the wilderness, now they're actually ending up in the promised land, the land of milk and honey. Now listen to the scripture. But that is the time to be careful. 
Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God and never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to be successful. The New King James, this is the New Living Translation. The New King James says, it is, he is the one who gives us the power to get wealth. Amen. It's so easy to forget, you know, and, and especially in our demographics. You guys are amazing. You have amazing skills. You have degrees. You have jobs that many people envy. You are an incredible bunch of people. But this is our wall. Other people might battle with other kinds of temptations and wars, but we, we battle with this. It's so easy to forget. It's so easy when we have our business deal, when we have our degree, you know, when we have our breakthrough and our qualification, it's so easy to forget. There was a, a season in my life where I thought I would never be able to go to university based on a lack of finances. There was a season in my life where I thought I would never pass my board exams. And when I did go to university, and when I did pass in the end, I knew it was God. I knew. And the biggest mistake I can make is to think that whatever I've achieved in my life was because of my own energy and my own strength. Because I begged God to help me. <laughs> I begged him to help me. You know, I don't know where, um, where you come from. What is your story? I don't know where you've been and where you are today, but... I want to ask you this morning, do you remember those times that you begged God to help you? Pass a test, pass an exam. Do you remember how you begged him for that, that one business deal or that job or that promotion or that breakthrough? Do you remember? You know, we have a gardener. He is incredible. <laughs> I can't, um, he's not available any other time of the week, so sorry, I can't. <laughs> You, 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 uh, he's not available, but he is amazing. He is never late. He never complains. He is one of the most faithful people I've ever come across. And I often look at him and think, where would he have been today if he had opportunities? If he had the opportunities I had? You know, it's, it's amazing. And we, it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to forget that there were, there were, Time and chance happening in certain very important uh, seasons in our lives. And those things was orchestrated by God and it gave us the power to be successful and to get wealth. That's the first very, very important biblical truth. You know, if to, to, to remember that it, whatever we have today is actually because of God. It's a very important truth to, to live loosely. Second one, we can take nothing with us to eternity. Nothing. Nothing, nothing. Job 1 verse 21. It's just after Job lost everything. His servants, his children, everything on the farm. He lost basically everything. And he said, naked, without possessions, I came into this world. And naked, without possessions, shall I depart. Incredible scripture. And I believe the only way that he could say this is he lived loosely. 
He said, the Lord, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the Lord. You know, we sing that song, Blessed be the Lord, um, really joyfully, and we often forget that it actually comes from this. <laughs> we lost everything. And he said, naked. I came into this world and naked shall I depart. So how do we do this? If, if these are the two principles, how do we actually live loosely? Very practically, how do we do that? So there's quite a few things I would, um, I would love to say, but I want to I refer you to a seminar we did in 2016. I actually sent an email about that called Money Matters Seminar. We touched there on budgeting. We touched on debt management. We touched on quite a few things, and I'm not going to talk about that today. But I don't want you to, to, to forget about those things because those are also important. There's a, there's a big picture, you know. Sometimes people are convinced that they do this one thing right when it comes to the biblical or, or, the, or the spirit war, the financial spirit war. They do this one thing, and surely this one thing must work. And there's, there's many components, but I'm not talking about budgeting and debt management today. Please go listen to that, to that um, seminar. I want to talk about three different things. And the first one is we need to grow in giving, and maybe this is something that you know, maybe this is something that you do, but for those who don't, I, I want to I take you through three different things in the Bible that God explains to us how should we give and how should we detach ourselves from the things of this world. And the first one is tithing. Okay, so let's just touch on that. For those of you that know this, please just bear with me for this section. Proverbs 3 verse 9, that says, Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase. And I know there's lots of arguments, there's lots of debate, there's lots of questions around tithing. But what I, what I remember when I gave my life to Jesus at the age of 13, my church didn't teach on tithing. My dad wasn't a tither, even though he was a giver. So I, that was a foreign concept to me, 13 years old. And what I clearly remember is I started asking questions. I, I wanted to honor God in the area of my finances. I earned 30 rand, pocket money, <laughs> a fortune. <laughs> no, it wasn't a fortune. Even then, it was not a lot. <laughs> but I wanted to honor the Lord in this area, and I didn't know how it worked. And I started asking questions, and I started separating three rands. And I said, Lord, this is yours. This is yours. I mean, surely God, nobody can do anything with three rent, but this is yours. And it was a spontaneous outflow after I gave my life to Jesus. It wasn't a teach. Nobody taught me. Nobody said, this is the rule. You have to do it. I wanted to do it. And I, went, I found out. I said, what does the Bible say? And there's a scripture in Malachi that people either love or hate. But let's go there this morning. Malachi 3. 10 and 11, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that, in the, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. Okay, what, what does the scripture say? If, if Proverbs 3 talks about honoring the Lord, then... We honor the Lord by bringing our tithe into the storehouse. 
What is the storehouse? Your storehouse is your local church where you get your spiritual food. How, why do I say that? Malachi 3 says you need to bring the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. What is that food talking about? It's spiritual foods. And there's a, there's a promise that I'm not going to focus on too much this morning because often people say, but I do tithe. So surely God must now perform, you know, because of this scripture. And there's just so much more to this. Tithing is an, a, an act of honor. It's not an ultimatum. It's not as if, God, I'm tithing, so, you know, I, I, I need results here. It's not about that. So I don't even want to focus on that part this morning. Um, I just want to share with you a story. Andre shared it at our, at our Encounter 2 seminar, but in the, in the book that uh, Tortured for Christ by Richard Wimbrand that Andre was focusing on quite a bit in the last few weeks, he shares that the Christians that were uh, in prison under communism, they wanted to stay true to this principle of honoring the Lord with their tithe. So how do you do that in prison where you hardly get food? They received soup, apparently horrible soup. To eat that was the their meals, but once a week they received a slice of bread. Once a week, one slice of bread. So what they did every tenth week to honor this principle, they would sow their slice of bread to another prisoner who was weaker or in more more need of that slice of bread than they were. And you know, when I when I hear this, it puts tithing. It, it, it removes all the debate for me when it, when it comes to tithing. If people can do that, this is a, it's a hard attitude. They're they almost starving. I mean, surely God's going to be okay if they don't tithe. It, it's not about a law. It's about an, a hard attitude that wants to bring honor to the giver of life. So this is tithing. And... I'll, I'll say something about that just now. Offerings. Let's talk about offerings. It's three, three different ways the Bible teaches that we can give. Okay, first one, tithing. Second one, offerings. An offering is something we give over and above our tithe. This is the portion that goes to the missionary in China or to the old lady in your neighborhood that needs something. Okay? Our tithe should come to our local church. This is what the Bible teaches. Offering is something we give over and above our tithe. Tithing has never been difficult to me because I literally started by giving three rand on my 30 rand. And it was, I'm so thankful today I did that. Because how do you give 10,000 rand if you earn 100,000? Or 1,000 when you earn 10,000 if you've never given your three rand on your 30 rand? It gets more and more difficult. It gets more and more difficult. This is why the younger we start, I see with my son, you know, he, he decided he's giving 20%, okay? I don't know how long it's going to last, but whenever he receives money, he gives 20% because he, I don't know if it's that competitive something in him, but he's giving 20%. But, you know, when he's going to earn his first, first salary, it's going to be so easy for him because he, he learned from a very, I mean, I wish somebody taught me at the age of five, six, seven, eight to tithe. It's beautiful. He doesn't even think about it. You know, it goes to, he's got tins and it goes to his Jesus tin and then he brings it to church. It's beautiful. But offerings I had to grow into because now it's, I've given my tithe. Now I need to give an offering. It's over and above my tithe. I had to grow into that. 
because it's challenging, <laughs> because now the 90% you want to kind of hold on to, hey? So God changed my life with this scripture, and I shared it before, but 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, it says, Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. That part that says, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, it changed my life because we started to put money aside to give even before we give it. We, we decided to build it into our budget. So in the same way tithing's built into our budget, we put offerings into our budget. So we have a portion that goes for missions. We have a portion that we just give for Shafi's London, over and above our tithe, and then we have a, a general I have columns, you know. Andre says our finances is the most complicated thing he's ever seen in his life. But I've saved towards like at least 20 things every month, even if it's 50 rand. But we split it. And the moment there's an opportunity to give, I'm ready to give. I've already let go of that money. I've given it already, even though it's not been given formally to somebody. It is not mine anymore. I've put it away to give. So um, recently I experienced the most um, precious thing. You know, we identified a need at Vian School with one of the kids. And I just felt God said to me, Sonika, you need to meet this need. And I worked through the teacher to just to stay anonymously. And then God gave me this amazing open door with the teacher because she, she just told me she doesn't see people do this. And she's been through a, a lot of difficult seasons in her life. And she received hope. Just by what, what happened, she received hope for herself. And I had the opportunity to pray for her on her a, on a birthday. And it's just this, I don't know if you've ever, ever experienced this, but it's almost as if we're waiting for open doors to connect with people on a spiritual level. And this act opened a door so wide, you know, it, it, uh, I can just walk through it. And I have this connection now with this teacher, which I'm going to trust the Lord to build on. And it was all because there was money separated unto giving. Because what if I didn't plan to give? What if I had to now kind of stress, because that was the big thing for me always, because I'm very aware of our budget. So if I give and it was not planned, and it happens often, it messes up my budget, and then I stress. And then, So this scripture helped me to move from a stressful giver to a joyful giver. It's so easy for me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to a more challenging part now, because we can't just always live in our box Okay, I would love to just give what I've budgeted, but it, God doesn't work like that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the more challenging part now. But I'm just talking about general giving that comes weekly or monthly or every now and again. We are ready to give all the time. Not necessarily massive amounts, but small amounts. We are ready to give. It changed my life. Arms is the third one. Money or things we specifically give to the poor. Let's listen to this beautiful, beautiful scripture. Proverbs 19, verse 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. And that which he has given, he, that is God, will repay to him. 
Have you ever read the scripture? <laughs> Let's read it together. Can we do this? He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and that which he has given, he will repay him. This is, this is quite significant. This is quite significant. What does it mean? It means that whatever we give to the poor will somehow be paid back to you. I don't know, God's ways are different than our ways. We won't necessarily come back with interest and envelope on your doorstep, you know, all those things. But somehow, somehow, you're not going to be out of pocket when we give to the poor. This is beautiful. Faithful giving is a beautiful way of deliberately and intentionally winning the war against mammon, living loosely. You know, I've experienced many wars in my heart when it comes to finances, but I've also experienced so much peace. And the two, it's two different worlds. And I will do anything to live in that, that place of, of peace. I'll do anything. You know, I can honestly say to you that Andre and I have so much peace in our personal finances because there's, we honor the Lord, there's order, there's agreement, and if you're married, when it comes to giving, you can't just give money away without agreement. Okay? Sometimes either the wife or the husband is a giver. It's just part of your makeup. You want to give. You can't just give away 10,000 rand and not tell your husband. And he finds out later and then you justify it by God told you and you just gave it. It doesn't work like that. It sounds very spiritual. But when you're married, there's two of you. When you're single go for it, okay? You are the, the boss of your finances, but when you're married, there's two partners. So, so yeah, just remember that. Very important. Okay, let's talk about radical obedience. First one, to live loosely, grow in giving. Second one, radical obedience. So for those of you, you are tithing. You are giving over and above your tithe. You are giving to the poor. I just want to commend you, and I want to say, well done, and I want to say, keep on doing that. There's a beautiful reward. But for those of you who are in that space, I want to challenge you a bit more this morning. Winning the ultimate war against mammon is to act when God speaks to you to give, when it's not your tithe, and it's not in your budget, and you didn't plan this. In fact, you planned it for something else. You, this money is not supposed to be given. It's supposed to go for something else. And now God speaks to you. And he doesn't ask you to give a hundred rand. He asks you to give thousands maybe. What do you do? What do you do? You know, every time it happens to me, I feel as if I'm getting pruned. You know, how, how many gardeners do we have in the house? Okay. Please raise your hands. There must be gardeners. Okay. Not a lot. Okay, I'm not a gardener, <laughs> so, so um, you're very safe this morning if you're not a gardener. But there's a very specific way of pruning trees or pruning plants. And because I'm not a gardener, every time I see people pruning something, I feel quite uh, devastated sometimes because the poor tree, you know, there's nothing left. And it's, it looks... It, it, it looks bad sometimes. Where's all the green leaves now? And at our, at our previous place where we lived, there was this one beautiful tree, just green leaves all over. And then one day, somebody just came and chopped everything off 
I was devastated. It was like there's nothing green left on this tree. And I thought, surely this person didn't know what he or she was doing until I saw the first new green leaf. It was incredible. And I realized this was the best thing ever for this tree. And every time God asks me to to do this, to do this major step of obedience, I feel as if I'm getting pruned. It's not always a nice feeling. You feel as if you're getting stripped of something that belongs to you and you want to hold on to it. So let me take you to a scripture in John 15 that says, Every branch that bears fruit, he, that's Jesus, he prunes. Why? That it bear more fruit. So I want to give you good news this morning. If God comes to you and he asks you to walk in obedience in this area, it's not because he wants to take something away from you. It's because he gives you a thumbs up and says, my son, my daughter, you're already bearing fruit. Well done. But I'm going to prune you a little bit more so that you can bear more fruit. And it feels challenging. It feels in the moment, it feels as if you need to deal with something big and wrestle with God until you do it and you see the results. And one, one story that happened in my life long ago, it, it was the first experience that I can recall that was something like this. 2002, I saved, over a period of three years, I saved 15,000 rand. Okay, 1999, 2000, around there, it was a lot of money for me to save. And I did it to do the, the laser eye operation. I wore glasses. I was forever battling with contacts. It was just... Uh, my dream to get rid of this. And I had the 15,000, and when, when I had it, God, I felt God said to me, Sonica, I want you to give it away. So now you must, you must understand, I started by saving 50 rand per month. I gradually increased it. I got to 15,000 after three years. It's my dream. It's, it's not just 15 that I have. It's, it's something I it's, was... It was blood money, and I sacrificed so many things that I could have done to save towards this. Now I feel God says, let it go. It was extremely difficult for me. I cried for days. I asked for confirmations, which God gave me. (laughs) Even spoke to my husband, okay? That's the rule. I started saving before we got married. So a big portion of that was saved before we got married. So we agreed that this is for that purpose. And I thought, let me speak to my husband. Surely he's going to say, no, I don't think this is God. And when I told Andre, he's like, oh, it, it, it's, it's God. Surely you must do this. He was so excited. And I thought, yeah, surely you didn't save for three years. <laughs> it's very easy for you to tell me now. But God was so faithful and Looking back, you know, was it easy to do that? No. Was I a joyful giver? No, I wasn't. It was very difficult for me. But the effect on my heart when I did it was something I'll never forget. It was as if God pulled out something in my heart that made space for life, for growth, for for just so many beautiful things to come. And... About a year later, I did the operation. So, you know, I gave away my dream because, I th- and then I thought, I'll never be able to do this. Lord, how am I going to save 15,000 ever again? 
a year later, I did it. And so it, it wasn't actually about the money. I gave away my dream. And God showed me so clearly that I need to put my trust in him. You see, I'm a saver. I, like I say, I have 20 columns. I save towards everything. And I enjoy it and I love it and I'm ready for anything, you know. And God said to me, I want you to trust in me, not in your ability to save. So saving is awesome. But if I trust in my ability to save, to accumulate money for whatever I I want to do, I'm bearing bad fruit. I'm making an idol of something that is actually supposed to be good, but it becomes too important. I put my faith in that. And that was where I made the mistake, and God changed my heart beautifully. So I want to encourage you, be open. When God speaks to you, and it feels as if you're being stripped of something, being pruned like a tree where there's no green leaves left, just do it. If you're married, please check with your wife or your husband. If it's radical, 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 get confirmation. Speak to people. Don't be irresponsible, but be obedient. You will not regret it. Last one. Purity. Okay, so remember, I said more money is not the solution. More money is actually not the solution for this war. We need to live loosely. How do we live loosely? We need to grow in giving. We need to grow in radical obedience. And then the last one, we need to grow in purity. This one's challenging. It's challenging for me. But I really felt I need to share it this morning. Ephesians 5 is 3. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed. Because these are improper for God's holy people. There must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, any kind of impurity or greed. Not even a hint. I want to rephrase this and say there should not even be a hint of compromise in the area of our finances. Not even a hint. A hint is something so small, nobody would even notice sometimes. There should not even be a hint of compromise. And I was, I was personally challenged on this in the last two months. So I want to release you from all condemnation. If, if you are, there's a hint of compromise in your finances, but I want to challenge us to, to pursue purity. So I, I, I committed to give a certain portion of money away 2014, four years ago. And I didn't know what the, what the money would be. It was going to be a gift, but I decided before the time, whatever I receive, I'm going to give away. So it was two different amounts. The first one I gave totally fully. The second amount, it was a small portion I kept to myself. For very good reasons, Andre and I still spoke about it. We had peace. It felt right. It felt like the right thing to do. And now, four years later, I feel the Holy Spirit asks me, Sonika, didn't you say? Didn't you commit? to give away everything. And I reevaluate the whole thing, and I said, yes, Lord, this is what I said. And I had, to, I had to repent. I had to say, Lord, I actually kept this portion back, and I can justify it. I don't have time now to hold, tell the whole story, but there's very good reasons. It would possibly make sense to all of you why I kept it back, but the Lord came. The Holy Spirit came, and he said, didn't you say that you were going to give everything? And I had to Say, yes, Lord. Even if I can give you 10 good reasons why I kept it, but 
yes, I did say, I'm going to give everything. So I said, Lord, <clears throat> I want to make this right. So I repented, and I took a portion of my own money, and the portion that I kept, and I said, Lord, I'm giving this now. And it's four years later, Lord, and I'm sorry. And, you know, and the, the, the immediate um, effect of something like this is you want to feel condemned, because this is such a high priority. Purity in my life is of the utmost importance to me. Purity in, in all areas, and especially in the area of finances. It's so important to me, so I didn't feel good about compromising. <laughs> Four years later, we actually realized, Lord, I compromised my commitment. But then, then God said to me, Sonica, how beautiful, how beautiful is it to respond How beautiful is it that your conscience is still awake and well, that you can hear hear me and that you can respond. So it's not about perfection. It's not about doing everything right all the time. I would love to do everything right all the time. I can't. I make mistakes. I, I, I make mistakes. This is one example. And I'm not proud of it because I would really love not to make these kind of mistakes where I compromise on a commitment or on, on something in the area of my finances, but we make mistakes. Sometimes we make honest mistakes. Sometimes we make deliberate mistakes. Sometimes we are scheming. Sometimes we, um, we're not paying the tax that we should pay. Sometimes it's ignorant. Sometimes it's deliberate. Sometimes we compromise. And I want to challenge you this morning. If you have compromised in any area, of your finances, personal finances, in your business, if you have compromised, if the, the, what, uh, um, there was tax that you were supposed to pay and you didn't, and you know that you didn't, if you are exploiting your employees, if you are not doing the right thing when you know this is the right thing to do, and the reason is because you actually attached to riches when it increases, I want to challenge you this morning to pursue purity. And it's challenging, but I'm sharing my own story with you to, to just to show you that it's not about perfection. It's about purity. And we can at any moment repent. We can at any moment say, God, I'm sorry. You remember Matthew, the, the, Matthew, the tax collector? After he got saved, he said, Lord, I'm going to make right. Four times, is that right? He's going to repay people four times. Okay, go check the scriptures for yourself, okay? But that was somebody, he got saved, and he said, Lord, I'm going to make right. It's never too late. It's never too late to say, Lord, I'm going to make right. I'm going to live in purity. And I want to encourage you this morning. Let's not allow mammon to punch us around, because this is just another name for our enemy. Okay, God said we cannot serve God and mammon. And it's not to condemn us. It's not to, to control us. It's actually to give us, to make us free. To, for us to have peace, for us to have joy, for us to make wise financial decisions and to honor the Lord and to see the beautiful fruit coming from it. There is a, 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 an amazing reward if we follow the principles of living loosely, growing in giving, Radical obedience and, and pursuing purity with a, with a aggression, with a determination, with a, a ruthlessness. That no matter what, Lord, I am going to walk in purity and God will bless you. 
God will bless you. There will be an inheritance. There will be a legacy. And there will be a, a blessing on your household. There will be a blessing on your business. So I want to challenge you. No shortcuts. No shortcuts when it, when it comes to this. There is a blessing. There's, a, there's, there's something that God's going to reward you with that is greater than the money that you actually keep to yourself. Amen. I mean, financial peace is not something we can buy. We cannot work for it. We, we cannot buy it. And it's one of my most precious possessions, financial peace. We must use money every day of our lives. Every day. We'll never get away from it. We must teach our children how to work with money. The Bible says a, a righteous man lives in inheritance for his children's children. How's that for a challenge? It's not about your children. It's about your grandchildren. So we must be wise stewards. We must honor the Lord. We must, we must be different. We must live differently to this world. You know, just one last story, then I'm going to end. When, when um, my first experience when somebody broke into my car was horrible. It was my first car. They broke into, they stole my, my radio. And I got to work. And I remember I work in an audit environment. And you're supposed to now be ethical. And suppose we are ethical, okay? Auditors are ethical. <laughs> but I get there, and now my my um my peers or my colleagues that tell me, no, but I must now claim for my tackies that was in the boot. I'm like, are you crazy? There was no tackies in my boot. And I must claim for this and that. And I said, but what are you talking about? So it was my first experience of claiming for insurance. They said, but that's how you do it. You just get whatever you can, you know. I'm like, I can't believe it. I was, it was very, very difficult for me in that moment. It was my first experience as an adult. And I just decided from that day on, I need to live differently. I don't care what, if the whole world does it in a certain way, and they feel it's right, I'm going to live according to God's word. I'm going to pursue purity, because there's a reward, and there's so many things in this world that's accepted. There's so many things in this world that even Christians feel that's accepted. You know, surely what kind of fool is not going to make use of the opportunity to claim for whatever you can think of when you, because, you know, the insurance people, you know, they exploit us, so let's just join the system, you know. If you can't beat them, join them. So it is just something that is, it's become a gray area in so many areas, and we as Christians, it's not even about your job or your career, it's about Christians. You know, people in town must say, you know, that person he runs his business well, and he's a Christian. What a testimony. You know, but if people say, oh, but it's, he's a Christian, and there's some question marks. You know, a cringe. I like, Lord, just, just help us, forgive us, have mercy on us. We need to be different. We need to be different, and we don't do it in our own strength. We do it by the grace of God, and we, when we make a mistake, we repent and we make right. But I want to encourage you this morning. Let's Let's... Win this battle against mammon. Amen? Let's not allow him to push us around and to make us fearful and to, to mess with us because God has given us the tools to live loosely and to live freely. Amen? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sin.